Alright everybody, welcome to episode 6 of NPC Talk. Today is July 8th, 2015, and I am really excited because I have a lot of really cool guests and episodes lined up, and so um, I think that the uh, in the next few oncoming weeks, uh, you guys are in for a treat. But for today, I have another very special guest. His name is Nathan. How are you doing today, Nathan? Hi, I'm doing very well. Hey, I'm a longtime listener, first time guest, but I'm I'm real happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Um, as you uh, may well know now, uh, for our guests, we like to do a top three game. But before we get into that, uh, please let us tell us um, a little bit about yourself as a gamer. I uh, so in listening to uh, your first couple podcasts, uh-huh. uh, uh, listening to Trevor, listening to Roger, and how they started gaming out of the womb, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I would consider myself a little more of a filthy casual of a gamer, <laughs> but I did start with N sixty four. Okay. Uh, I was um, like that kid on the YouTube video that uh, got it for Christmas and then just went berserk when he opened it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that that uh, video of the kid going, N64! N64! <laughs> and he just goes crazy. Have you, have uh, you seen the, the Taco Bell commercial where they mimic... The kid going crazy over N64, but they're going crazy over like a chalupa or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> chalupa! Chalupa! I can imagine. I can imagine. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, start, I started with N64, um, playing with my sister, who is a couple years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a really great video game partner growing up because um, she would. Um, on games where they were, uh, again, kind of like, um, shoot, I think I think it was Trevor saying he would just hold the controller, even if the game wasn't two-player, right. he would just be there. And my sister was uh, that, and um, she would just watch me play or play two-player games. Um, and then I went on to GameCube. Um, I remember standing in line with an envelope full of cash, uh, for the morning that it, uh, GameCube was being released. Oh my goodness. And uh, I was, my parents, it was so early that my parents just dropped me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was in line with all these people. I made a friend with um, another kid and his dad. And then when I get up to the register, uh, I say, okay, like I'm here, I'm here for the GameCube. And the person behind the register was like, oh, we, we can't sell it to a kid. Oh my um, goodness. And I was like, no, like I have money, and they must have thought that I had had my mom's credit card, and that's why they're saying no. But when I pull out this big envelope full of cash, they're like, "Oh, oh yeah, we okay, that'll work, that'll work." <laughs> so I, I remember that fear, that intense fear of I'm not gonna get a GameCube. How <laughs> terrible that was. Hey man, uh, the GameCube is a great system, so yeah, um, well worth yeah. it. And that's actually where my, my first game is going to be from. Oh, oh um, what a perfect transition. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, no, well, before, right before I get into that, so yeah, I um, played GameCube, moved on to computer games, and I, now for the past couple of years, I've had kind of a um, a lull in gaming. Highly disappointing. I know, I know. <laughs> um, I wonder if some other other viewers who um, have gamed a lot uh, have kind of experienced this as well. Uh, just having a little less time and uh, or or having lower interest mm. and it's it, it's kind of disappointing in a way because gaming um, used to be just a huge part of my life and um, and to have that kind of wane has been um, sad a little sad um, yeah so I was really excited to hear you're doing this podcast and uh, I uh, yeah hope I will be able to contribute equally as your other guests yeah i mean um i think having even guests who aren't as active of a gamer is good for the show because we also want to uh have catered to audiences who aren't necessarily active gamers but Mm -hmm. people who are just interested in you know what's going on in the gaming world or do i want to play a game right now what are some good recommendations you know like um News, yeah, but, competitive gaming, just, you know, anything that's going on, like, just uh, on your commute or if you're too busy, you know, just pull up NPC Talk and we got it for you, so. Yeah, the, for the for the filthy casuals out there, that's what this episode is going to be. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you, filthy casuals. In, in case uh, you don't get that, that's not an insult to people. It's just a, a joke that, that hardcore gamers make. Yeah, uh, but you trust me. Sometimes you want to be a, a filthy casual over oh, a hard card game. Oh, sometimes I'm I'm straight filth when it comes to <laughs> certain games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, with that background, Nathan, are you ready to dive into the top three games? I am. Top three is definitely a good amount too. I know it was top five for your first episode, uh, but you can just get so much more into um, each game when you do top three. So I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Give us what you got. Okay. uh, For my number one, you already know it's on the GameCube. I believe when it came out, it was a GameCube exclusive, uh, which is kind of rare nowadays for Nintendo. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is Tales of Symphonia, um, which uh, for... uh, Yourself and and I are, is a bit of a nostalgia game because yeah. we used to play this game together a lot and we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, we uh, we went through the entire game together, the whole fifty hours. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pure nonsense, but we did it. Your mom would open the door and be like, "Oh, it's Nathan again. Come on in. <laughs> I'll feed you rice and beans while you play." Yes. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Tales of Symphonia was um, kind of a, a, your classic uh, adventure RPG that had a little bit of an anime um, style to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where um, what are some games nowadays that do kind of the same thing? Um, Anyway, it, it had anime cutscenes every so often. The character style was very anime, kind of Final Fantasy esque in a way. Um, and 
when I was thinking about top three games, the reason why this one came up was uh, when I first started playing it, I was so taken aback by the false ending um, of their mm. storyline. And uh, I spoke, we spoke with a friend recently who has played a lot more games in this series. And he said, actually, that's, it, it becomes kind of a pattern that they have a series of false endings where you play the game for a certain amount of time, you think you're coming up on the end, and then they, they have a little bit of a uh, twist for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said that, oh, that happens in all the games. But this was the first game that I had played that they did this for you. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, you, you um, start out with the main character, Lloyd. Uh, you are going on a quest with this girl, Colette. Um, and again, another thing, uh, a part of the game that was memorable is all these characters, this, this silly band of characters that are, are kind of, uh, again, with the anime stylistic, they're, they're kind of um, really common anime caricatures. So you've got Colette, who's this um, blonde little squeaky girl that follows you around. You've got Kratos, who's the, the silent anti-hero right. where you're not really sure what's going on with him. He's kind of mean sometimes, but he's also your your guardian. Um, and then Lloyd, um, not too much to say about him. Um, reminds me of the Trevor episode when he was talking about the main character in Chrono Trigger, Chrono, where he's just, um, I don't know, he, he talks, but I don't remember a ton about him. Right. Uh, and, um, yeah, so, so being in the part of the game, uh, you're going on a quest, you reach the end, the, the tower that you're, you're headed for, and um, then the game totally gets turned on its head, uh, and then they introduce a whole new world, like parallel world, um, and you find out that you're like, a third, maybe 50% of the game through. Yeah. And I thought it was going to end right there. And I just remember being so amazed and, and pleased that this game had so, so much depth to the, the storyline. It just went on and on. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I was, I was really impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, a part where I, I had to look it up to, to remember exactly what it was. Um, but Colette, the character that you're um, leading around, mm-hmm. is uh, got this high, shrill voice. And um, by the time you reach the, fir- the half point in the game, she's kind of wearing on your nerves a little bit. Yeah. Uh, partly because the combat system, uh, which I'll get into in a little bit, is... Uh, is really incredible. You can play with either one all the way up to four players. And when it's just one player, uh, you have a party, three other party members that are controlled by the AI, um, which is amazing. It, uh, they do a really good job uh, having really smart, well, sometimes smart AI, <laughs> as I'm about to get into. So Colette has this move that she uses, uh, and every time she uses it, 
she screams the name of the movie, which I'm not sure if you remember, but it's Angel Feathers. Angel Feathers. (laughs) (laughs) And she will spam this move like every five seconds and just scream it out in the middle of every single combat. She's Angel Feathers, Angel Feathers. Uh, So you you get up to the the climax, the 50% climax point, and uh, something happens where she loses her personality and her voice. And it is one of the most bittersweet moments ever because you're like, oh, no, I've, I've got this shell husk of a character. But, oh, it's so amazing that she doesn't talk anymore. <laughs> it's just a beautiful thing. Even in combat, she's just dead quiet for the next, uh, you know, 20 hours of the game. Uh, and I just think I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Um, yeah, to I guess go into a little more depth about Colette as a character, she is like this really innocent, um, what's it called, clumsy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. um, and she's also like you, and you find out in the beginning that she's like the chosen one for some whatever, and so, um, and so it's really um frustrating to have to bring her around because you're like this really sweet like warrior dude but like this you know chosen one like can't really like handle herself can't really like manage things and then even in combat she kind of like irritates you a little bit (laughs) and so and so it i feel like um i I have to give props to the developers uh namco tail studio for um for having a character like that because it definitely felt like um they were going for the irritating um aspect of her and then you know halfway through the game they kind of wanted you in a sense to like to like have that serene piece of not having to deal with her but then at the same time you kind of miss it it's yeah it's it's pretty amazing (laughs) yeah i suppose when she first talked again i'm like ah there you are colette yeah, and then, and then another fifteen seconds later, it's like, oh, angel feather, angel. Feather. Oh my! Like, oh. <laughs> um, so I think I think the last thing I'll talk about, I think what really um, makes steps this game up from being like a fun, a long, in-depth RPG to one of my top three is the combat system, mm-hmm. um, and because. With the Final Fantasy series, I'm assuming with uh, Chrono Trigger, I haven't played it, um, but you're kind of used to when you play RPGs of the classic combat system where you have your characters lined up when you get into um, a battle, lined up on one side, and then on the other side, there's stationary enemies, and then you go through and choose each of your characters attack moves, whether you want to use items, whether you want to use magic. Right. And um, it's uh, timer-based in, yes. in that sense. Um, and so with Tales of Symphonia, they gave you complete control of your character's movement on this 3D battlefield. Um, so when I was thinking about how to describe it, um, for those who haven't played, have you ever played Kingdom Hearts? It's kind of a, a similar thing where um, you'll enter into 
a battle, the screen will go, you know, but then you you have um, all this control of you can um, jump your character around, block, combo moves with friends who are playing, which again is a, an amazing part of the game that you can have two or three people play an, a genre of game that was usually reserved for one person. When you, mm-hmm. A lot of the classic RPGs, it's just you, you know, sitting in, in front of your console and enjoying this game. Um, and that's kind of going to be my theme with the top three is I enjoy games that allow you to bring other people in and um, are interactive mm-hmm. on a multiplayer level. And that's what was so amazing about this game is that you and I could sit down um, and combo moves together and experience the story together and switch off um, who's uh, walking around in the uh, overworld, but then each be able to do our own thing in in combat. Right, right. Um, yeah, so the classic RPGs like Chrono Trigger, um, like Final Fantasy VII and all, all of those... Those are known as uh, turn-based RPGs because you, okay. you know you you have to like, take turns. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> in Tales of Symphonia, um, it's called the multi-line linear motion battle system. Oh gosh. Um, but we will we'll just call it the. Uh, it's more like of a an active RPG system, and so um, just to describe it a little bit, you know, you have four people in a battle, and in ta- in Tales games specifically. You can. There is a way to move in a 3D plane, but you're in a 3D battlefield. But you and your enemy are lined up in a 2D line between you two, and then you actively move back and forth, and you can attack. And then when you attack, it's not like a menu. When you attack, you're swinging your sword. And then when you do a spell, which is like with the B button, you know you're doing like a air slash right then and there. And so with this active combat system, you don't really feel like you know, you're just, like, pressing a, a menu for strategy, but that you're actually, like, actively um, attacking them, and, like, reflexes and spacing yeah. becomes, like, a, yeah. a new thing for the game. Yeah, which once I, once I played that way, um, I found it hard to go back and um, yeah. Yeah. and have less control over my character. Yeah. yeah. It's even fun to, like, destroy, like, the, the small baddies, because you know normally like in uh like final fantasies and stuff it's kind of like a chore to like have to kill all the small guys but like every once in a while in like tales of symphonia like there's a small battle and i'm like oh it's so refreshing to just like go in and slice and dice and totally style on them (laughs) (laughs) on mobs that would that are nowhere near your power level (laughs) unload all your combos and and it looked really good too for the time i'm sure it's one of the games that hasn't aged too well but um, I remember a lot of the, the combo moves you could pull off were, were really gorgeous. Yep. I actually, um, I played it a little bit recently. Um, and I think it, like, surprisingly aged pretty darn well. Not too bad? Yeah. Yeah. The game came out in 2003. Um, but, yeah, like, in 2015, I, I have, like, no qualms with the graphics or anything. Um, and yeah, for those who don't know, it's it's uh, anime styled like dialogue and cutscene, some cutscenes, and then the other parts are more like the cell shaded uh, graphic style. And the world is like really bright and like beautiful. Well, 
for most of the game, I guess. The world's, like, really bright and happy, and, like, the adventure feels very, like, vast, and mm-hmm. and it feels like you're, like, going on going to somewhere exciting. And so I feel like um, Tales of Symphonia really put all that together really well. And similar to what Trevor says about the games he likes, uh, this game, I think, does a good job of meshing all the good parts of the game together to uh, kind of keep it to not age yeah as much yeah yeah tales of symphonia man it's i would say it's my favorite tales game and i've played four tales games i think okay so have you kind of experienced what our friend parker was saying that that storyline wise you eventually start to see the pattern where there's there's always um, a false ending or or something that you're a goal you're going to and you think will be the end and then they kind of surprise you um well see i i don't notice patterns very well so mm-hmm. i was i was shocked every time <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to play video games that is you're getting your money's worth <laughs> oh no way it's just like tales of symphonia that's insane <laughs> that the world must be a a very new and exciting place for you. That's yeah. the way to live life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Tales of Symphonia. Awesome title. Uh, what do you got next for us? Okay, next, um, I'm going with the Pokemon franchise in general, but because I, I do need to pick a game, mm-hmm. um, I'm going with Pokemon Gold. Mm, gold and Silver. Yeah, which which I had forgotten exactly uh, which one was which, which um, maybe is a bad thing. Sometimes the Pokemon games can kind of run together a little bit. Uh, But you reminded me um, last week that Pokemon Gold was the one where you're exploring a new continent for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then when you reach the Elite Four and beat them, you get to go into the old continent. They're Kanto and Johto, I yep, think. Yep. Um, and you get to defeat all the gym leaders there. Yeah. And uh, you can kind of see a pattern in uh, games that I enjoy when you. Well, I don't know if you'll be able to see the pattern, but I'm telling you there's a pattern here. <laughs> the answer is no. I, I don't see the pattern What are you so talking far. about? <laughs> Keep it at me, man. Um, um, that we, I just really appreciate games that have a lot of um, a lot of depth or a lot of replay value and a, mm. a lot of content. And um, that is... I won't. I, I won't be cynical and say that that's more rare to find nowadays, because um, I don't know if that's true. But I, I definitely think those are the best games that just have um, a ton of content. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I started Pokemon really, really early. Pocket Monsters. Um, it's definitely a game that has exploded. There's so many spin-offs. Um, so many little mini games that have turned into their own games. Pokemon Pinball I had at one point. Oh, that was a great game. Um, Pokemon, was it Pokemon Flash? Which one was the one where you, 
you take pictures of, of Pokemon. Snap. Pokemon Snap out. That was also life. really good. That was. That was. Um, you know, I'm I'm waiting for the Wii U to have Pokemon Snap two, where you you have that controller. That, oh, yeah. that's a camera and you can move it around based on like your environment and and you know you're pretty much holding a camera yeah <laughs> yeah that that would absolutely fit with the the theme of the game yeah you're yeah. right um well uh speaking of things we're waiting for i think pokemon is is such a successful game and franchise um that I I believe, and there's there's whispers of this on the internet, mm-hmm. that if they were to create um, an MMORPG uh, with virtual reality, that they would take over the world. If there was a game where you could collect Pokemon online and fight players uh, in a persistent world... Uh, <laughs> And then you add the new technology of uh, VR, then oh my gosh, they would they would take over. People wouldn't go to work, they wouldn't yeah. procreate. I certainly <laughs> wouldn't. I'd be playing Pokemon. I'd be playing Pokemon all day. I think uh, um, I think that would be amazing. I also think that game. I don't know why like Game Freak doesn't like making Pokemon games for the main for like the main consoles. You know. Like yeah. they have like spinoffs, um, but they never make the main like Pokemon series for like the the big boy consoles. And so I don't know. We'll we'll see. But if um, if they made a Pokemon virtual reality, you would probably not see me in real life anymore. I'd see you out in the world, man. <laughs> I mean, we'd see each other every day, just not <laughs> in real life. <laughs> Is that a Rattata? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Where did you get a Rattata? Come fight my Pidgey. <laughs> Which, if you don't know any of these world words, this could start sounding a little sketch. Um, but uh, anyway, Pokemon. Um, yeah, so um, I remember uh, being back in middle school and high school, uh, bringing Game Boys to school, uh, oh, yeah. getting out the link cables, trading... Uh, battling during lunch. Um, just uh, a really um, amazing game for mainly for the reason that it is uh, pretty intuitive when you first start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, a pretty easy concept to get down, to go out, um, capture Pokemon, fight them, level them up, battle gym leaders. And so um, I think that's one of the reasons that um, Game Freak has done so well is that it's um, a, a very neat concept that has a very easy learning curve. Mm-hmm. However, um, what I enjoy so much about the Pokemon series is, again, uh, the depth that they put into these games, mm-hmm. that um, there are hidden mechanics and hidden values in these games that if you want to get serious and competitive there is a a huge huge community online and on youtube um, of people who play competitive pokemon battling Um, and it's something that even though i don't play the handheld cartridges anymore i still to this day will 
will go to um, a website. It's called Smogon.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it's .net. But, um, and it's this community of people who have created an emulator online where you can create your perfect team of Pokemon in about five minutes, choose all their moves, choose all their, um, their stats, and go out and, and battle people online. And they've created this very structured uh, environment with their own set of rules to balance the game. Yeah. And it's an incredible community because it's completely democratically run. That um, Game Freak, um, probably just due to the complexity of their game and the fact that they have like 500 Pokemon now, um, has not 721. spent... 700, are you kidding? <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's something I was going to get into later that, uh, unfortunately, they're kind of running out of inanimate objects and <laughs> and uh, creatures to make Pokemon off of. So, for example, one of the newest Pokemon that came out is a set of keys that is that is a Pokemon called Clef Key. <laughs> uh, and so, I don't know they're, what else they're going to do, like maybe a spray bottle. There's not a spoon Pokemon yet. But I can see like a cutlery Pokemon coming out. There's um, a there's no amount of WTF that can satisfy my feelings <laughs> for Garbodor, oh, the Pokemon yeah. based on garbage, garbage and and straight filth himself. <laughs> I mean, he evolves into a bigger pile of garbage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Yeah. So again. Eventually, you, we might run out of Pokemon, but right now there's 700, um, and so you can imagine it's really hard to to balance and and make all those Pokemon fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and inevitably, some of the of them are going to be stronger than others. But what this online community does is they get together and, as a group of people, decide which Pokemon are just a little uncompetitive and um and not not fair in a competitive environment and they they place bans on pokemon they place their own rules and it's a really impressive fun thing to see all these people coming together um using the the framework of the game that game freak has created Mm -hmm. and um and making kind of their own game yeah um just for you folks out there, uh, just to let you know, we will, me and Nathan, have a competitive Pokemon episode where we talk about the oh. in-depth in-depth mechanics and awesomeness that is Pokemon. Um, I played competitive Pokemon uh, with Nathan when we were in college. I think it was yeah. Generation 3 or 4 at the time. Yeah, and uh, Nathan gave me a good spanking. I, re- I remember <laughs> that. It was it was a uh, heart wrenching, but it was still really fun. Um, so we'll, uh, I you still kind of follow the scene, right? A little bit now. Yeah, I do. I, I haven't made a team in a long time, but I I keep posted on on what is in the meta right now and stuff like that. And that's awesome. a really good idea to to do a whole different episode for this because you can get really deep into uh, egg breeding and uh, effort values and intrinsic values and oh, all man, that. So we'll, we'll save people <laughs> who, uh, who might not be as interested in that. Yeah. 
Okay, but really quick, but before we skip this, <laughs> I just have to say what's really cool about uh, Pokemon is because there aren't too many like, or there's almost no mechanics to it in terms of like, um, in terms of, like pressing buttons fast or mm-hmm. doing the right combo. Um, so a lot of it is strategy, and so you think like, oh, like how is there like mind games in Pokemon? And like just a simple one is like if I have a fire type and Nathan has a water type. You would think like, oh, I will, you know, swap out my fire type for the grass type, but then Nathan's water type might have an ice type attack. So I need to think, oh, is he going to do an ice or water type attack? And am I going to switch or stay? And it, it's all based on um, kind of like a mind game, right? What what patterns has Nathan done earlier in the battle? Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, what kind of game play what what kind of style does my team have? What kind of style do I have? And it, it really like it's really, really neat to watch. And so if you see like some guy doing a really silly move on another Pokemon, it's usually because there was like such a deep level <laughs> of mind games to it. It's pretty right, fun. an over prediction. Yeah. Uh, like like chess, not not to put Pokemon up against the time old game of chess. Right, because Pokemon's there's... better. Right, <laughs> the time old boring game of chess. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and and that's something um, during the single player game and when you're young too that I was totally uh, blown away by because when you're playing a single player game up against a computer, you get to know what Pokemon they're sending out next. You get to; they rarely switch out ever, right. um, so it's it's very linear. And then when you play up against a real person, it almost feels like cheating because they have, uh, in your example, I've got my fire guy out, they've got uh, their water guy out, mm-hmm. and then the fact that I can, if if I was playing this when I first started, I'm just like, oh wow, he beat me. He's got a water guy out, and I'm fire, so I'm just gonna. <laughs> take this until i'm dead right right. and uh and the first time someone started swishing things around i i was like but you can't do that where's your honor in the pokemon <laughs> battle <laughs> gotta stay in man stop switching <laughs> yeah switching is a big mechanic it's really really cool yeah. um to talk more specifically about pokemon gold and silver uh, let's see, the game first came out in 1999 in Japan, and then 2000 in the U.S. Um, and I think what Pokemon Gold and Silver, and for me, Gold and Silver is my favorite generation as well. Um, I think what they did really, really well is, it, this Gold and Silver is Generation 2, right? So you had Red, yeah. Blue, and Yellow, and then that came out, there was a lot of hype, it was really, really cool. And then uh, Game Freak's like, oh, we're going to make, you know, 100 more Pokemon and a brand new game. And Gold and Silver was the only game where you beat it. And then, as you said, you can go back to Kanto and then play through Red and Blue pretty much entirely. Um, But but the timeline of Red and Blue is like 10 years later. So, like, there were things that changed since the actual game. Yeah. yeah. And, And it... It was it was probably the only game where I was fully satisfied with the with the upgrade from generation one to generation two. Like I was like, wow, Game Freak did such a good job of giving us a full game and then pretty much giving us a second game. 
Yeah. In yeah. the post gameplay, and they just never did anything like it again. And so. Yeah. Uh, and then you you were able to go through all the all the old gems, and then you were able to fight the protagonist of the first game, Red. Oh yeah. Uh, and he was on this tall ass mountain in this cave full of super powerful Pokemon. And um, I'm pretty sure the first time I met him, I was not ready, and I just got slaughtered. By I remember he had a, uh, a Snorlax. <laughs> that was just the beefiest thing ever, and uh, and yeah, um, for immersion wise, that was really cool. Because if I was the best Pokemon uh, trainer in all the land, I too would go up to a very tall mountain and just sit there and wait for challengers to arrive <laughs> and then destroy them. That, that again, if they ever make that virtual reality. Uh, video game. <laughs> Look for the mountain. I'll be on top of it, Chris, waiting I, for you. I would, be, I would be like, I'd be like, you know, I I haven't seen Nathan for a while. I'm like, oh, do I have to trek this mountain just to say hi? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. If I don't know if you played uh, Nathan, but on the Nintendo DS, they had the Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Uh, Heart I heard about it. Gold and Silver remake. Um, I would say they did a really good job um, upgrading it. I'm so, guessing they had to completely upgrade the graphics as well. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Every everything was upgraded. It's so neat. It's pretty much a new game, and then you know, at at Gold or Heart Gold and Soul Silver's time, they have like the internet, so you can do like some a little bit of like online battling. Not as not as good as it is with the 3ds now, but you mm-hmm. know, it, they had a uh, you know pretty good. Uh, PvP post game content, and they still had the Johto Kanto thing. Cool. But the the very best part of the upgrade was that whoever was leading your party would follow you, would follow behind you like Pokemon Yellow, just like in Yellow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, so they had all the sprites. Yeah, because in Yellow it was just Pikachu and the, maybe the starters, or maybe just Pikachu. It was just Pikachu. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in this one they had. Uh, sprites for all of them and it was really really sweet wow and so licky tongue could be behind me for the, in- <laughs> the entire game just creeping people out yeah um yeah licky tongue um uh, you know interesting choice to have a following <laughs> but, but you know uh you know you never know right Pokemon. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the Golden Silver era. So, uh, another great choice, Nathan. Bringing people together. So that's my, that's one of my themes is games that, um, can be played, uh, single player, but then you can have your friends that you trade and battle with and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I guess another one of my themes, uh, in talking about the... Uh, this new emulator that's online and this community of people that's created their own um, video game virtually. Uh, I'm for my third game. I'm going to tr- transition right into Dota. Dota All Stars. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is another game that that Chris and I played. I guess we've all we've all played these games together. Oh yeah, we played um, all three together, huh? 
Yeah. So, um, Dota All Stars uh, is a custom map that was created through the Warcraft Three engine. Yep. Um, um, what's it called? The like use map the map editor. Yeah. 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 Which um, I know I definitely had to pick this game in my top three because it's still just absolutely um, crazy to me to think that that. A fan, or or that Blizzard created this game, Warcraft Three. Yep. Um, kind of your, not your classic um, RTS, but because um, they they had the hero system, but basically another one in the line of oh you you um, go out, you harvest your resources, you create a whole bunch of little units, and you battle each other. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the same vein of Starcraft and. Um, Age of Empires and stuff like that. Yep. Um, but then they they created, and I didn't use the map editor a lot, but they created a way for people um, to have enough control that they um, made an entirely new video game out of it. And not only did they make an entirely new video game out of the Warcraft 3 um, map editor, they ended up making an entire new genre, the <laughs> MOBA which is multiplayer online battle arena, which yeah. now, um, if you're familiar with the video game League of Legends, uh, is one of the most popular video games on the planet and the yep. most popular genre on the planet. And if you don't know the history, it was created by some guy uh, who just made it up in a map editor yep. um, and then uh, handed it off to a couple other people who kept adding content and refining it, and it became the game known as Dota All-Stars. For those who aren't aware, Dota is D-O-T-A, which is Defense of the Ancients. Uh, It was released in 2003, and I bought Warcraft 3 just for Dota. I did too! I did too! This was like a couple years after it came out, and I never had any interest in playing it. And then I started hearing uh, these whisperings of this game Dota. And so, yeah, that's cr- that's another crazy thing to think of, to buy a video game, not to play the actual video game, but to play uh, a custom one that <laughs> yeah. I made. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's um, to try and – and I've tried to explain MOBAs to several non-video gamers, mm-hmm. and it's a little tricky – to do um so but i've gotten a little better at it over time um basically in um these strategy video games you'd normally be controlling a whole bunch of little units um and you'd be collecting resources creating little units making the army and then battling them um in mobas you have control of one unit for a 20 to 30 minute um game and you start out level one with nothing and then throughout the game you're acquire you're on a team with four other people against another five player team mm-hmm. and uh, you accrue levels you accrue items and uh, the goal of the game is to reach your opponent's base and destroy it so uh, defense of the ancients uh, is in regards to 
the ancient tree in your base that you were trying to defend in Dota. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a, it's a simple concept. I think where it's gained a lot of popularity is, um, uh, once again, just the depth uh, that you get with it. So you control one hero. Your hero has four different moves. And uh, when Dota first started out, there was maybe 20, maybe 30 different heroes, probably just 20. Um, and over time, um, different creators, the most notable one, uh, whose name was Ice Frog. Ice Frog, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, had just kept adding content, content after content after new items, everything. And so uh, at the, the very end of its lifespan, when um, Ice Frog was uh, eventually offered a job by Valve and the the rights were uh, bought, there were 90, maybe 90, 100 heroes to choose from. Unique heroes with different, each had four different sets of moves, um, totally different mechanisms. Um, And as you can kind of start to see, this is uh, not a game like Pokemon, where... uh, where the learning curve is nice and, and easy and friendly. Um, MOBAs have kind of gotten themselves the uh, reputation of being some of the hardest, highest learning curves in video games. Oh, yeah, it's uh, hard. It's gnarly. It's gnarly because you're thrown into it on a team with four other people against five other real people out there. So there's ten people in this game. And um, if you don't know... The, the moves and the characters, which you're not going to when you first start, of every single person, uh, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up a lot. And instead of you just personally messing up and being like, oh, well, shoot, you know, I messed up. I'll do better next time. You have four very loud, very rude, oftentimes very adolescent children reminding you of how badly you just messed up and how much you suck. And uh, <laughs> colorful language flies, um, and I, I, not proud to say it, but I am one of those children. Uh, <laughs> I used to play. I got, I got the reputation in our group of friends for just not quite keeping my emotions in check when someone on my team was not good. It was great. <laughs> we loved it. We loved it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Dota has 112 heroes at the end of its life. Mm-hmm. Dota wow. 1. Wow, wow. Yeah, and so, um, so I guess to, like, kind of iterate some more about what you're saying about the learning curve is that there are some heroes in Dota, and I guess in all MOBAs, where, like, is, is uh, for Dota as an example, there's, like, a hero who, um, can be invisible all the time <laughs> and so ricky maru ricky maru and so my favorite and so you have no idea he's there and so you're just playing you know doing your thing you know hanging out beating up little minions and then out of nowhere this little dude appears behind you and slices you and yeah. kills you and you're yeah. just like um and you don't know you don't know ricky maru you don't know what he does so you're just <laughs> standing there with your dead carcass in front of you on the screen and you're just like i don't even know what happened (laughs) i don't know how anyone gets to that point and then says oh i'm gonna play another game i'm gonna i'm gonna learn more about this game (laughs) uh 
because it it's just so unexpected and it's you just feel powerless. I think there was actually I think I had to start Dota one two or three times um, before I I committed to learning it just because it's it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard to learn and it almost has to become. I mean, video games are a hobby, but when you play MOBAs or MMOs, they have to. That game has to become your specific hobby. Like you have to do research outside of the game <laughs> to even not even to be great, just to be like passable, decent. You have to go on to other outside websites and be like, "How do I not die every three seconds <laughs> in League of Legends?" Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and there's entire websites now that are that are based on um, on guides yeah. for all these games, yeah. uh, which I guess is not a new concept, but it just goes to show you how how difficult they are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I guess to to get back on track with my theme, the the reason, um, yeah, the first reason I I love love Dota is that um, it's it was a community based game made by not a video game designer but just a guy with a map editor it's just sheer creativity to create a whole new genre of game in in a time where the game industry it was not new you know it's it was kind of um i don't know i i feel like it it had kind of gotten into its stride and then to create a whole new type like First person, when you think of game types, RPG, first person shooter, real time strategy, um, those are huge genres. And to create a whole other one, like in the 2000s, that's that was impressive. So yeah. that's that's a big reason. The other reason is it's a it's a multiplayer team based game, and I I have very very fond memories, uh, and some very angry ones. <laughs> <laughs> Playing with you, playing with our, our good friend Alex, um, who I will take this time to do a shout out and apologize to Alex Wurzel uh, for all the times that I just ripped into him for making very minuscule mistakes that anyone can make. But man, I was so mad at him in that moment for making those mistakes. For, for uh, uh, all you guys who follow the show, same Alex from episode five. That's right. I haven't listened to his, the, the very last step. Uh, yeah. Yep. If this is six, then yeah, you just heard him. If you're going chronologically, you know, you've experienced some Alex. Uh, and, uh, but you have some, some really fond memories of when we got a full team of five going. Yeah. Um, and played up against strangers online and uh, we're on Skype. We're able to communicate. And that's what, what video games for me um, probably the reason I don't play a lot anymore too is video games for me uh, are all about doing it with friends and that's when I have the most fun mm. um, and create the strongest memories is when I have friends that I'm playing with and interacting with um, and uh, Dota was a, a great game for that most of the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we were winning Dota was the funnest game you'll ever play and League of Legends yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We it's Dota is um is extremely satisfying when uh when you win a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think so we'll definitely have a MOBA episode and 
uh, League of Legends is so big, we might have a separate one just for League of Legends. But um, just for MOBAs themselves, I just wanted to kind of quickly talk about kind of what makes them so addicting. Mm. And um, for me, Dota has two things that really goes for it. Um, I mean, besides the fact that it's PvP and really competitive, is that it's, first of all, is that the way the game works is, you know, you play like a third... I my games usually last like thirty to an hour, thirty minutes to an hour, and yeah, yeah. And so you play this one session, and in each game it's a fresh start. You know, no one has an advantage. No one's like lo- a higher level than you. It's all just everyone's in the same boat, and you're all level one. And it's really neat because you feel in that like thirty to one hour um, time frame you feel really connected to your character. Like, surprisingly, mm-hmm. when you go from 1 to 25, or, yeah, it was 25, um, it, you just feel like you're growing with the character, and it's really fun to, you know, be weak in the beginning and then just, like, uh, grow in power and then be able to use that power to destroy other noobs. Yeah, be a monster, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, like, uh, and that's, like, a really satisfying feeling. And... The second reason, which is really close to the first one, is that destroying noobs was really satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, like there's certain games, um, and we'll talk about this in in our, our MOBA episode with uh, Heroes of the Storm, the Blizzard MOBA, mm-hmm. is that Blizzard, uh, I really like Heroes of the Storm, and I like what they're doing with the game, but it just doesn't have that same, like, crunch when you kill someone. Like, Interesting. Yeah, it doesn't give Why you that, that? that rush. Um, a lot of it it, happen more often. No, a lot of it is because the game is so team based, right? Like, uh, your exp is your team's exp. Like, you don't have individual exp, and so whenever you're crushing someone, it's because you're crushing them as a team, which is really cool in a sense because it's so team focused. But at the same time, you miss out on that individual. Mm -hmm. I just stomped on this noob by outplaying him because. It's really rare that you alone are stomping because you are doing it as a team. And so it it definitely has its ups and downs, but um but I was not as addicted. Like I really like Heroes of the Storm, but I'm not addicted to it mm-hmm. because I don't get that rush, that individual rush from it. It sounds like they they try to take out when you take out um the aspect or the mechanism of feeding. So if you're the one person on a team that's dying a whole bunch, it's not fun to be that one person. So so maybe with the EXP being shared and team-based, they've taken out feeding, but they've also taken out carrying, which is a huge um, kind of reward mm-hmm. in those kind of games where if you are have a high enough skill level um, and you're on a correct character you can win the game almost, it feels like, by yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's so rewarding. And so, um, yeah, that sounds like, um, a little disappointing that, that uh, I can see why they made that decision in Heroes of the Storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you definitely have given something else up. Yeah. It, I mean, there is, there is uh, what's it called? There's a, there's a mobile term called snowballing. Yeah. <laughs> once you're ahead, you know, you just get further and further ahead. And uh there's team snowballing in Heroes of the Storm. Okay. But there isn't that individual like snowballing. 
that uh, happens in the other MOBAs. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's all preferences, and we'll talk about it more in uh, the MOBA episode. But um, I was just saying, for Dota, like, I, I just really enjoy the, the like, the fast-paced, really um, immersive, in a sense, um, PvP environment, so. Yeah, and, and one last quick thing about what you were saying, um, you know, being that guy who is being amazing and stomping noobs, the incredible thing uh, about Dota that they haven't even really perfected in League of Legends yet uh, is that you were able to save your replays um, into these files that were fairly small. And so it was kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of masturbatory, masturbatory, (laughs) but I'm sure we all did it, uh, where you would save replays on games that you just went off and you were incredible and you could go back and watch again and again how amazing you were that game how, how much you stomped those noobs so that's a that's an addicting that i would like scratch afterwards and everything I, you're right i was probably really addicted to mobas at one point i uh i definitely had multiple um occurrences of addiction to mobas but you know I, I regret none of it. <laughs> sure. so and and we're clean some... now. We're clean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, awesome choices. I really liked that you had a theme going on with uh, your top three games. Thank you. It just it just happened that way. When I, when I chose my top three, I realized they all had um, similarities. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I kind of thought about it for a little while, like, oh, why are these my my top three? Um, in the same way that I that I heard Trevor and Roger find data out about their games as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it helps us like get to know you better as a gamer. And so in like our future episodes of like uh, competitive Pokemon or MOBAs or whatever, we'll kind of know what you like to focus on. And we see how that kind of translate from your gaming experiences to how you feel about, you know, other games and stuff. So, yeah, should be exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and with that, guys, I would like to thank Nathan once again for joining us. His uh, his top three games were. Oh man, well, <laughs> I know we, it's okay. It's not. It's just that we talked for so long. <laughs> it was so long ago. So it was Tales of Symphonia for the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like just thought of it. Tales of Symphonia, okay. Pokemon, the franchise, but Gold and Silver, and Dota, Defense of the Ancients. Those are some uh, pretty awesome titles. I I have not been disappointed yet with uh, any of our guests' top three. Noah. No Wait, Sonic. You let them know Sonic when you first Sonic. are when they say, "Oh, this is my favorite game." You say, "No, that's <laughs> yeah. a stupid favorite game." <laughs> there, you, there may be an episode where, like, oh, you know, my favorite game is you know Barney's Greatest Adventure, and then it just cuts off. The episode just ends right there. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, are you Barney fans out there? <laughs> just kidding. That could be your favorite game, and we'll Clean roll with up. It. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> but um, but yeah, with that, um, Nathan, thank you for coming onto the show. Thank you, Chris. Yes, and uh, we'll definitely be hearing more of you. But for tonight, we are out. Have a good night, guys. Bye.
Bye.